Hi, I'm Milo Dennison. And I'm Kurt Bamboo, and this is Rip It Up Again. Rip It Up is a topical show about life impacting creators around the world today. Yeah, and on tonight's show, Milo, we are thrilled to be joined by a man of many, many talents, actor, writer, musician. It's Andy Milligan, who's also the host of the Seeking Happiness podcast. We'll talk with Andy about his own happiness journey and some of the obstacles along the way. But before we talk to Andy, Milo, as usual, I've got a question for you. People say you come across as grumpy, and I know that's not true. So to dispel any rumours, what makes you feel happy? Who says I'm grumpy? I'll kill him. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny is because obviously we share the show notes before advance. Yeah. And, and I read this and I was like, and I'm like, this, I'm like, what makes you feel happy, Milo? And I'm like, ah. Oh. Crap, I don't know what makes me happy. Like, I can't like, think of an answer to this question. <laughs> it's a tough one. Yeah. Um, being on a motorcycle and just uh, cruising down the road uh, with the wind flowing past me on a motorcycle on a nice warm day, or a box nice. of puppies. A box of puppies makes everybody a happy. A box of puppies. Doesn't that make everybody happy? A box of puppies. Or kittens, if you're a cat. Well, it depends on the context of the. Yeah. They're all puppy. alive, <laughs> and they're cute and fuzzy puppies. So they're all a living. It's not a box I, I of puppies. I tell you what you makes me, me feel garbage. happy. Yeah. What makes me feel happy? It's it's, it's recording these shows with you. Ah, oh, thanks, Gav. Oh, see, it's it's time of the year to be giving. All right. <laughs> well, I'm. Sure. Are you going to go and throw up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Excuse me for a minute. Uh, let's not talk about our happiness then, because I'm sure we'll have plenty of happy subjects as this goes on. And let's speak with our guest, Andy. So Andy, thank you. Welcome to the show. It's really great to have you here. And uh, let's just start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, hi, Milo. Thanks for that. And uh, thanks for that great introduction, Kev. That was really nice. Uh, a man of many talents. Uh, I hope so. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, uh, Andy Milligan. I have been a musician. I have been a teacher of English and media studies and film studies. Uh, I'm currently the last couple of years I've been doing acting. Um, what else can I tell you about me? I've got a beautiful partner called Alice. I've got two lovely teenage children, which is, a which is a challenge every day. Um, but I think we've got to a good point in their lives now where they're, they're starting to grow up and become good young women. And uh, there's less of the dad, dad, can I, can I have this? How much is this going to cost you? So that's, that's always positive. What else can I tell you about me? Uh, I think I'm going to let you leave with some questions, Milo. Yeah. So you're, you're from the, um, you're from the West Midlands, aren't you, Andy? Yeah, from the West Midlands. Um, I, I'm originally, uh, I, I, I spent a lot of time in Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland, because my mum's Irish, my dad's Scottish. Yeah. Common yeah. common ground here in the room. I'm the, I'm the outsider now. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, I lived in uh, Dublin for seven years. 
Oh, mate. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place, Dublin. It's um, What I'd recommend, though, Milo, I don't know whether you've been out into the countryside. You've been, oh, yeah. Got all over the place. I mean, that's that's real islands, you know, when you get out into what we call culture country, country yeah. countryside. You know, that's a great that's a great place to be. Dublin is great, though. It, it's uh, it's got very commercial. How, how long you're out there, Milo? You was out there seven, six, seven, seven years? Yeah, seven, seven years before coming Yeah, out. you spent a chunk out of there. Yeah, so. but yeah, I rode around, uh, did a road trip, uh, did the Wild Atlantic Way, of course, went and visited as many of the little towns and, and yeah, met plenty of people with such thick Irish accents. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying, but I, I know you're speaking <laughs> the same language, but yeah. with your accent, I don't yeah. know what hey, you're saying. Hey, Milo, to be honest, you need to go to the West Midlands because there's people there that sometimes you just won't <laughs> have a clue what they're saying. And it's, and it's definitely full of characters there. But right. so, so Andy, let's get into it a bit about you know happiness because obviously do the Seeking Happiness podcast. Yes. So, from your point of view, what is it ultimately to be happy or feel happy? Um, I think when when I started the the podcast, I was searching for those exact answers, Kev. I uh, I'd gone through uh, a period where. I, I hadn't experienced uh, happiness for a while and it, it became clear to me when I uh, I had some I had some sessions with an NLP neurolinguistic programmer over the uh, the internet where we had some some counseling sessions and one of the questions he asked me was when was the last time you you actually felt happy and I I couldn't come up with an answer I I, I couldn't remember I said I, I Obviously, you know, my children being born, meeting my partner, all the obvious stuff. I said, but a prolonged period of happiness. I said, does it exist? I said, is happiness a fleeting moment that we all experience? So I became very, very interested in this myself um, and uh, decided that I wanted to speak to some professionals and find out what their journey was all about. So I managed to get an NLP therapist that I spoke to in episode one, and he gave me some really good insights um, into what happiness was, how I could find happiness. And then it was a journey really about just speaking to, to various people about what, what they thought happiness was, how they'd reached a point of happiness. And these were all professionals, nurses, police officers, people that have been successful in business. And, you know, I think what I was trying to explain to any of the listeners was I, I don't have those answers, Kev. I don't really have those answers. And that, I'm on a journey and I'm I'm asking the questions because I, I want to know how other people have got to this point of happiness. And um, and it was really about listeners sharing sharing that experience from from other people and sharing that journey with us. So, so happiness at the moment is, for me, is living in the moment, uh, getting up each day and treating each day as a new experience, that anything's possible, um, that you can change your life, uh, which is something I've, I've personally done over the last two or three years. Um, you, you, can, you can change lots of things about yourself. You know, the simple, the simple things that I've learned... Um, just about drinking water, making sure you're hydrated, um, going on long walks, you know, making sure that you're going through um, nice countryside, you're seeing a bit of nature. 
Uh, one of the good tips that the uh, the NLP therapist told me was about watching too much news, um, just explaining about, you know, going back a few hundred years ago, people used to wait for the travelling minstrel, didn't they, to, yeah. to come along and tell them the news of the day or what was going on, and the, the news would probably be be one or, one or two years old by the time the travelling minstrel got there. But we're so you know, we're so impacted by immediate news, what's going on in the world. And I think if you if you watch too much news, like this guy said, I think that can affect you. So I try not to watch too much TV these days, too much news reports. Uh, I have a rough idea of what's going on in the world, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, just trying to focus on my, my own life, living the here and now. Uh, and start appreciating, which I hadn't done for a while, but start appreciating all the things that I do have in my life. I think we can all we can all sit there and dream and say, this is where I want to be, this is what I'm searching for, this is going to bring me happiness. And sometimes some of those key key points, we've already got them, we've already we've already acquired them. And you forget about it, you know, and it's just really taking time to to sit and think about your think about your life and your place in the world. I think some people refer to it as meditation, don't they? Um, but yeah, and I think like you just said, it's like surrounding yourself in kind of more happy situations and scenarios that you've got control of, and realizing what you've what's already in those place, what's already in place. Yes. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think too, like one piece of advice I got once was don't compare yourself to others and stuff. Cause sometimes we're like, Oh, if that person they're rich and they live this life or maybe my life isn't so bad because I'm not in some third world country, you know, farming dirt kind of thing. And it's like, you don't compare just, you know, just live your life, which is good. And I love your point about news uh, coming from the U S obviously, it's a very polarized country right now with a lot of angry people. And when did that kick in? Well, when we got to this whole 24 hour news cycle thing where everybody's got their phones and they're reading or seeing news that basically just reinforces their, our opinions. And, and so it's quite hostile towards each other. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And the, and the other thing, just on what you said there, Milo is, um, you know, why I wanted to, interview a lot of people from different backgrounds was I think everybody's idea of happiness is very different and I was just trying to get to a point where you know any listeners could make connection because I know one individual's idea or what they do perhaps won't uh, you know won't touch a listener where somebody else's ideas and how they change things oh that 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 might be the point that will change somebody you know so um so yeah that's that's it's a very it's a very difficult thing isn't it you know happiness it's a very uh it's it's a very individualized um view of where you are as an individual and i think you made another good point about comparing yourself to other people i think i did that for a long time i think i was always looking at other people and look how great they are look at they've got and and just not seeing myself you know, losing track of who I was as an individual and what I wanted out of life. 
Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's easy to not be relative, isn't it, at times? Like you say, because you'll just see someone else maybe getting on at a certain point and you're just like, oh, damn. But as you say, you've got to be relative to your own scenario yeah. because you could yeah. have way more things in place than you ever realised. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And when you when you when you sit and take that time to actually think about your life and and think it's about the people as well that you surround yourself with. I mean, there are some, you know, the one of the other things I realized was there were some really negative people that were in my life that were just not helping me at all. And, you know, there are always those people that are on the phone. Oh, come out, let's go for a drink. They call me, as you know, Kev, a lot of people call me Millie come on, Millie, come out, come and have a drink. You know, let's, let's go and do some stuff. And uh, just realise that uh, these these guys aren't happy and uh, they're, they're not bringing me to a place of happiness. It's um, And I, I think I explained to you as well before, Kev, one of the things that I did, I stopped drinking. Yeah. I realised that I was consuming excess of alcohol every every day every week and uh and it just wasn't doing me any good it just wasn't helping well, I, I think actually andy to be honest, i think milo's got a question it's going to kind of lead, lead into that so <laughs> oh, that's wow. nice. perfect well because i think it is a perfect transition actually because yeah. yeah we're talking about happiness and being what makes you happy and stuff but of course there's always those bumps in the road and things that yeah. impact it and in your case you did mention addiction um and um and and you have a cerebral palsy diagnosis as well. No, no, so, it's uh, it's uh, multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis. Oh, oh sorry, that's um, yeah, yeah. I'll blame Kev for that. Yeah, blame <laughs> Kev. He always gets it mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I know like stuff like that certainly can have a huge impact. I'm actually oddly enough, I'm reading Michael J. Fox's um, book right now, yes. uh, and talking about how like he was quite young and getting getting his diagnosis and stuff and how it impacted yeah. him and i've got i actually have a, a cousin that has cerebral palsy um and so so i could see how people this could make impact your view of happiness this why me that kind of stuff and then if you have addiction issues as well so yes yeah i think that was the the thing milo when it when it when i first got diagnosed was uh that exact question why me um but uh, and I think that's that's the hurdle you have to you have to get over. It and it's like um, it's like a death in the family. That's the only way I can describe it. It's you know you, you go through those stages of recovery, you know that complete shock, which is which is quite hard to get over. Um, and you just get to a point where uh, I think I kept being asked over and over by by professionals you know where where do you want to be and I just said really I just want to get to a point of acceptance I just want to get to a point where I can accept this and just move on move on with my life and just say this isn't the end you know this is this is I don't have to look back at what I've done in my life and say that this this was the end of my journey and now I have to just sit in a chair and just accept that I'm not well you know I was just like you know, there's so many, I think what hit me and eventually got me out of the shock was there's so many things that I want to do in my life, you know, and I just thought, you know, if I just sit here and just contemplate what I can't do, I'm never going to do anything. So, um, so, so like, basically it was like an activator for you really in some ways to be like, you know, okay. what I need to have a go at whatever. 
Yeah, massively. It was uh, it 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 was in a, in a very bizarre way. It was um, it was it was like a, a kick up the backside that I needed really, just to just to view my own life, have a good look round, and what is it that I want to do? Have I been doing what I wanted to do? Uh, you know, how can I how can I move forward? And that those 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 are difficult questions to answer. I mean, it wasn't easy for me to to come to any conclusions on my own. I need to go and see professionals, you know, people that have experience of of these issues. And uh, I can't state enough, you know, how supportive my partner Alice has been. It's just amazing. Um, I, I just feel very lucky, you know. Again, one of those things that you look around your life. What, what have I got? What, where am I? Just so lucky, mate. You know, to, to have a partner that's so supportive and just permanently, you know, encouraging and positive. I'm, 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 I'm truly blessed. Do you think that made you take? Not that it's saying that you never appreciated before, but do you think that made you take stock of what you actually had? Absolutely. Because of that that event, yeah. Absolutely, it's um, yeah. I think I was again just very uh, very self obsessed, very um, very focused on on me and me having uh, a good time. Everything else was like a secondary thing in my life. It was um, you know, uh, partner, my kids, everything else came came second. I, d- I did what I could. I think I was a good dad. I think I am a good dad, um, and I think it was a good partner. I was always there when when difficulties arose, but it really did, you know, it gave me a concerted kick up the backside to to, to just look at things in a different way. Yeah, I think there's there's like with anything like that, there's a balance, isn't there, that needs to be struck because you've got to enjoy yourself. But obviously, if it goes way over where everyone else is getting put to the back, then it impacts your personal life. That's right. More than the ideal life that you wanted to kind of just just constantly run with. Yeah. I think that's that transition of when we when we've been younger, like we don't not even as we go into adulthood more so, we still hold on to that for us. And I think blokes do that a lot. You know, they yes. hold on to it quite a bit. Yeah. The, the, and then the, it's like, oh I've got to be, you know, got to be kind of like you said, you still got to be seeing the lads or whatever, or you get those peer group pressures, which we don't think as adults that really exist, but they still linger and and nag a bit. And then we become, yeah, we become kind of like, if if we're more lean towards that kind of attitude, then, yeah, you're going to end up with circumstances like yourself, which I'm sure are going to be replicated. But I I do like how... um, I know that it shouldn't take something major to happen, but often we hear so many stories where major events in people's life get get them to change tack a little bit. And I think that's like that's really poignant. And especially around this time of year when people are gonna be maybe, you know, over enjoying themselves and things and they might not be considering, you know, everyone's entitled to let loose, have a nice time. But I think it's important to hear conversations like this because then people can reflect on it. And you um, highlighting your own issues, that's obviously like, you know, might help others to kind of talk about some of the things that they've gone through or, or are going through. Absolutely. I think that's, that was the purpose of the, you know, doing, doing my podcast, Seeking Happiness podcast, was just to 
just to give people something to to listen to to realize actually you know i'm not the, i'm not the only person that's feeling a bit down that has you know some problems uh and what, one of the things that you you touched on there about um somebody i interviewed was talking about uh there there is a a statistical curve that's been that's been brought up in uh, circles of science where men, men especially that are approaching forty, uh, do have this moment of, you know, what have I, what have I done with my life? What have I achieved? You know, looking back through things and w- what is it that I want to achieve? And th- that they do have, uh, you know, men especially they do have this panic moments where they, they almost go into a, a downward spiral of, you know. Uh, negativity and I think I just think it's really important especially again amongst men that we uh, we are aware that that people suffer problems because we, we we're from a breed that uh, you know our fathers I think were from a breed that just didn't talk about things like that it wasn't spoken about you know my dad big Scots guy pat on, pat on the back you know sort yourself out son pull, pull yourself together that's that's about the only advice I ever had, and um, yeah, I think it goes two ways. It's either they were they were either just like you know crack on, get on with it, or they just weren't present at all anyway. Because if they weren't working, they were down you know drinking some ale somewhere or whatever. That's right. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah you, you know what to do. You don't need any guidance. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, but I want to move on to your um, I want to move on to your creative side a little bit because obviously yeah. you started out as a musician. Yes. You've thrown yourself into the world of acting, TV, yep. and also immersive entertainment. So I think maybe we might know what you might say on this, but what, what actually encouraged you to go into that type of work? I think I uh, I think, you know, when I was when I was young, I was always fairly creative. I was always a, a drawer and a builder, you know, around the house. <laughs> Quite happy to do things on my own. I remember having something called my uh, I, I, in the local wood. I had something called the singing tree, and I used to climb to the top of this tree with a with a magazine that you used to be able to get called Smash Hits. Smash okay. Hits magazine used to have all the lyrics of all the top forty in there. So I used to sit with my copy of Smash Hits, knowing I was in the middle of this wood, and I used to sing at the top of this tree. Uh, so I always knew I I, I always had this thought oh, I mean, again I was one of these kids that created his own radio show at home <laughs> you know recorded hey and welcome to my radio welcome <laughs> to Andy Milligan's radio show uh <laughs> and recording songs and just trying to put tapes together and I had a guitar that hung on the wall I think it belongs to my brother um and I just I put I put it on the wall because it was aesthetically pleasing to look at it was I was really into <laughs> rock and roll you just wanted it as, a, as an ornament yeah it's an ornament mate I, I was into 50s <laughs> rock and roll I had posters of Elvis Buddy Holly um, Eddie Cochran and uh, I, I decorated my room very 50s it was like stepping back in time when you used to walk into my bedroom when I was a teenager and I don't know mate I just had one of those days where I was I was looking at the guitar I probably I'd probably been to a party <laughs> and saw some dude sitting in the corner playing a guitar and thinking, wow, this guy's surrounded by women. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the chicks really love the guitar player. 
think so, every uh, guy's had that experience at some point. Be like, yeah. I want to play the guitar now. I want to play. I, I, I was the dude sat there with a triangle in me. <laughs> I know, mate. Yeah. So yeah. Well, nothing, nothing wrong with a bit of rhythm section. Um, but, but yeah, I, I just ended up playing the guitar, um, learning to play at home. Got myself a gig with a with a with a guy that I'd met just just the two of us and uh, announced to the family and everyone, oh, we're going to do this gig. I think everyone was like, I don't even know you played the guitar. Didn't know you. And just, just we did it. And I loved it, mate. And we, we, we did that for about six or seven years. Um, and it was great. I mean, one of, the, one of the great, great periods of my life because I just remember wherever we travelled to, you just had a bag of clothes and your your guitar case i think mine's just in the corner behind me but you had your guitar case and that was it mate it was just a complete lack of responsibility just chuck the guitar in the van chuck your bag of clothes and off you go fantastic great you know it was uh, (laughs) it was a good period of my life but obviously got got into my late 20s and just realized this isn't sustainable i I, i'm not going to make it as a musician so um so yeah, just just decided to go back to university. So what uh, so what happened with the when did you it's like what made you decide to go into like the acting part as well? Um, that's more recently coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's closer. Last, last two or three years, I um, I, yeah, I may me and my sister have always been big film buffs from a very early age. There's not many movies that we hadn't seen. Uh, we used to sit and watch, and Lisa's one of these, she remembers everything, actors, supporting actors. We'd have that banter about, oh, that, that's that guy from that film. And so we really, really loved film from that. And then when I went and started teaching English, there was no one teaching media. And uh, I took on the media departments. I set the media departments up in the school I was in. And after I'd done that for a few years, realised I, I went along to a meeting with AQA, the uh, the people that did the specification, and it was getting really difficult. So I, I looked at the film studies specification. I thought, oh, this is really good. You know, pupils will be really interested in this. You know, I, I was interested in it. So we were we were making a lot of films uh, at school when I was teaching, and uh, just just always always liked doing that when I was when I was doing the teaching. And then when I gave up teaching, when I decided to resign, I had a, a random email from a company I'd signed up for. I think it was Star Now. Um, yeah. yeah, that I'd signed up for years ago, mate, um, because I was looking for musicians. And um, they just sent me some random email uh, saying there's a film being made in Birmingham at the the town hall. Are you available for seven days? Uh, I, I wasn't doing anything, mate. I'd literally just resigned my English job, and I thought wow. I'm going to go and I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and just try and be positive, try and do something. And I remember Alice calling me up and saying, "What what are you doing today?" And I said. Believe it or not, I'm driving to, I think I had to drive to Derby, first of all, to do a fitting. Okay. Uh, Yeah, and I just found that whole experience really bizarre. You know, initially when you turn up on your first shoot, which I'm sure you'll remember, you try and close (laughs) on, there's nowhere to change really, so you've got to whip your strides off. 
it's like you're seven years old again in Marks and Spencer and you had no changing room and your mum was like, put those trousers on. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, your mum's dragged you by your ear to go and try some trousers on for either a function or yeah. No, you, you know, so it, it was it was good, mate. I enjoyed it. I did it for seven days. I didn't even think I was going to get paid. And that when, oh. I, when they paid me for it, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever done. Um, so just just started from there, met met some really some really nice people. People gave me lots of different agencies, signed up to these, and just stayed, stayed doing it, doing the work. And uh, and and then I I I did I did something uh I've only had an agent for a couple of months now, but I did something about six months ago with, uh, with it was called Firebrands. I think it's out next year. And I got asked by the director, Kareem Anous, I think his name is, uh, would you, would, to do an audition with four or five other guys. Uh, I turned up as an extra. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. We went along and we delivered our line and he gave me the the, the role. He asked me where he's from. I said, oh, I'm from the Midlands. He said, is that near Warwick? I said, yeah. I said, it's quite near Warwick. Uh, you're now the Earl of Warwick. It was about, it was, uh, the <laughs> film was about King Henry VIII, who was Jude Law's King Henry VIII. The Lisi of the Canada is, uh, she's Catherine, Catherine Parr. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that was that was amazing, mate. I loved that. You know, oh, yeah. just getting a few lines of dialogue in that. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and there was a guy on it called Eddie Eddie Marsan, um, who who's been quite a few things. And I I was I was linked with him quite a bit on set because I was one of his people. Earl of Warwick. He was playing Seymour. So I was sort of always with him and I started talking to him about acting, asking him, oh, how did you get into it? He was like, you really need to get an agent. And uh, I, I just said, have you got anyone you can suggest? And he, he gave me a guy's name. Um, and I just emailed him, dude, and just said, oh, look, this is me. Gave him a bit of my showreel, uh, which I, you know, put together very, very quickly. <laughs> and gave gave him a, a few insights myself. I had a Zoom interview with him, and he was he, he took me on. He was like, "Right, I'll take you on." You know, I think you you're confident, and you know, you're very interested. You seem to know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's been cool. So I've been with them. So, so was you was you winging it at that stage? Was you <laughs> pretty much pretty much so, mate? Um, I, I again, I think it's just the experience of teaching. You know, I think that's a yeah. great a great training tool for any actor. But it's, you know, you have to go into a, a room of children, you know, that are uh, anything up to. I mean, I was teaching A level as well, so it's you know, kids that are 14, 15, 16, some 17, 18. You have to entertain them. You know, you have yeah. to go in. You have to put on a show. You know, you remember yourself what it's like at school. Oh, if the teacher's boring, mate, you just oh god, you switch off. So you've got to entertain them. Do you know what I mean? And teach. So, uh, so I think, I think, <laughs> I think that's where you know a lot of my my self confidence. And again, being in bands and having to stand on stage in front of yeah. in front of fifty or sixty people and sing, you know, 
and remember lyrics you know when when you when you're singing which you know christ almighty i can remember that many times mate i remember didier once left me on the stage and i uh i think i went to do the drugs don't work by richard ashcroft and it, yeah. i remember he was going to the toilet and he he walked off i got halfway through it mate and i forgot the words and i forgot the uh i was in the wrong key i was playing the guitar in the wrong key <laughs> i was i could see these people looking at me you know all these people drinking their beer looking at me is no, and I knew it was awful, mate, but I, I finished it. I finished the song. I remember seeing Didier's face and he was just shaking his head. But, <laughs> but I thought that, you know, that's that's a little bit of confidence that you develop. You just, you've got to finish it. You can't just stop and say, yeah, okay, just, I'm a, just, just carry on through. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a complete tit. You've just got to carry, carry on. Milo will, Milo will know that from kind of his theatre background, you know, sometimes okay. you've just got to soldier. You've got to soldier through. Yeah, pretty much, man. That's the way it goes. So it's the same with musicians. You soldier through. Although it is kind of funny sometimes when you're at a at a concert and the musician's like, wait, wait, I messed up. Let's start over. And you're like, oh. <laughs> that kind of a thing. Yeah. 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 And and you know, the the other thing is we used to do we used to do a lot of our own songs. We would do covers. And clearly there's a lot of people in the crowd that that know all the words yeah. and when i when i used to do a, do a cover if i did forget the words i'd just i'd just make it up <laughs> i just keep singing <laughs> thing the first thing that came into my head and i could see people thinking i don't know this verse you know what's this <laughs> absolutely but again that's it you've got to you've just got to get through you just got to improvise you know yeah yeah that's that's same with stage acting same with stage uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, but speaking of uh, movies and specifically your name, Andy Milligan, you <laughs> share your name with plenty of other famous Andy Milligans, including the famous cult B movie director, Andy Milligan. Yeah, and also the uh, writer for the UK comedy presenting duo, Anton Deck, as well. But we've got a very special feature for you, Rip It Up, Andy. We're now looking for as many Andy Milligans as possible. <laughs> We already right. chalked off. We chalked off three. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's that's right. So uh, we've got Milligan's Eye, which is what we're going to call it. Yeah. And uh, Andy, as an Andy Milligan, if you were in a room full of Andy Milligans, what would set you apart from the other Andy Milligans? It's it's a, re it's a really weird one. Really weird one, Milo. To even think about that, it just makes me think of the. Uh, the film being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm just thinking of people looking at each other going, Milligan, 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 <laughs> Milligan. Yeah. So what was set me apart? Um, oh, wow. What would set me apart? I think, you know, I'm, I was going to go back to, probably because it's on on the forefront of my, my thought process, about just having a bit of self-confidence. But those people that you've mentioned, I think to do what they do, the film producer or the film director and the comedy writer for Anton Deck, I think they must have so much confidence. Um, if, if you've ever seen an Andy Milligan film, <laughs> he must have confidence because Kev, Kev <laughs> they're was, not good films. Kev, <laughs> Kev was telling me about it when I spoke to him last time. <laughs> I've got to get myself one of these films, mate. I've got to. Ah, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> monstrosity or what's the other one the weirdo the weirdo uh, S- yeah. Surgical. Wow. they were three of his last films i think yeah um yeah yeah fill your boots you'll have a whale of the time i'm i'm definitely <laughs> checking out mate because uh i've just got to do it it just reminds me of I, again I, there's another randy milligan i was working at director inquiries years ago milo we used to have instead of people picking up a, a phone we used to have a phone book you know, and a bit, I'm sure like they did in the States, but instead of people actually making the effort, they call 192 mm-hmm. and they'd say, oh, I'm looking for this number. Um, and you you give them out the number. But this guy had called me up and uh, he he said, he said, oh, my name is Andy as well. I, I said, oh, you know, brilliant. We, we started a conversation. I told him my name was Andy. And uh, he said to me, what's your surname? And I said, it's Milligan. And he was like, no way. He was like, my name's Andy Milligan. <laughs> and like, yeah. and you just got some weirdo that had gone through the phone just some random like, person. I'm going to ring all the Andy Milligan. Mate, he, t- he told me he runs a pub in Liverpool. And uh, he said, if you, he said, I'm, I'm the licensee. And if you ever come in, you've got free drinks, my friend. So I've got to find <laughs> this bar. I've got to find this bar in Liverpool where I can drink all night. <sighs> Brilliant. That's great. What would, let's go back. What would maybe stand out? I'd say, uh, I don't know what it's, it's, I've got sort of um, auburn hair. It's the uh, Celtic. The Celtic background with my dad being Scottish, my mum being Irish. Um, so I think the guys that you're on about, I think they're both sort of quite dark set, black hair. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm, on yeah, them. I think and, Andy Milligan, the director, did, and I think uh, the writer for Anton Deck, I think he was dark haired. I think he's a yes. bit more of a dusty yeah. cube all these days, but he's. Yeah, so maybe I'm going for something physical. Talking of that, Kev, I noticed on a... I did uh, Man Like Mobine quite recently. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was just I was just a prisoner in that, like most people on it. But the uh, he wrote he wrote that, Andy Milligan. Andy, yeah, Andy Milligan did, yeah. Yes, yeah, a which, good link. Which actually. I was thinking, I wonder, I wonder if they actually gave me the call, they gave me a job, because they were like, this, this guy can't be another Andy Milligan. <laughs> You know, it might be one of those things where, and I'm not disputing your talents at all, but you know when they're like thinking, oh, we want some Easter eggs to chuck in this show. So when there's a fact that comes down the line, you know, in a few years or something after it's been out, they'll be like, oh, and did you know, you know, these YouTube vids where like, did you know? It's like, did you know that one of the extras in Madame Mobile was called Andy Milligan? You've now demoted me to a fucking Easter egg. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's, everyone's like, Ah, there's no point in watching that. Uh, fair <laughs> enough, mate. Yeah. So I can't I can't think what what else apart from being being a bit confident in myself, my own abilities, you know, um, you know, my auburn hair. I'm not sure what else would make me stand out. Apart from I I, I guess I would think I'm the real Andy Milligan. I'm the real Andy this, Milligan. This is it, yeah. In a room full of imposters, who yeah. are you? Yeah, um, you could you could be the Andy Milligan over in the corner with your guitar, yes. and all the other Andy Milligans, and you got all the girls around you, and all the other Andy Milligans are like, "Man, I wish I had a guitar." Milo, I like that. Be brilliant. I like that. There you go. That'd like be a great. That'd be a great sketch. Um, <laughs> so, talking of confidence, Andy, um, do you want to do your do you want to do your first performance, your, your poem? Let's, yeah, let's I'll, do, I'll, I'll do my poem. So this is um, 
this is a poem I wrote. It's about it's about my first love. I think I was I was probably going into my mid twenties. and I've always been been a writer. I've always written. One of the things that my my mother always said to me, she used to find uh, lots of papers under my bed, not tissues, care papers that I wrote <laughs> that. <laughs> That I'd written uh, poems and songs on, you know, always writing songs and poems. But this, this, this came into my head within within minutes of of her leaving me. So she she danced through my dreams before I was born. Our souls were entwined. A love vow was sworn. In life, I kept searching until she was found. Destiny called for my queen to be crowned. She's far from me now. I'm alone with my pain, yet still on my deathbed, I'll whisper her name. My love, my love, why hast thou forsaken me? And I didn't realise at the time, it, it's actually a sonnet. It's, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's actually a sonnet. I didn't realise it but until I started teaching English. I, I looked back at it years later and I thought, God, I, I wrote a sonnet. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you didn't, didn't even know it. Well, it's well, a yeah, but it's great too because, like, you know, everybody when they've you know had ended a relationship at some point has probably had those feelings as well. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. Oh, yeah, cool. My life is over. Yeah, that's it. It just feels like I think we were together for seven or eight years, and it just felt like everything had finished. You know. Yeah, I mean it's a good it's a good chunk of time, isn't it? As well, where it's a good chunk of know. time. But great piece, it was lovely for you to share it with us, mate. Um, no worries. So we've got we've got another little mini feature now, and this is your turn to turn the tables, and yes. it's on to Milo. So it's our mini feature called "Ask an American." Brilliant. So, Andy, off you go. Ask Milo. So Milo, I was I was. I was in your your hometown of Seattle a few weeks ago. Oh, sweet! Yeah, my my bro lives there now. He's been there about twelve years, so um, it, it was great. I mean, it's a, it's my second time there. It's a great place. But one of the things that he introduced me to, and I have heard of this um, over the years and through watching several movies, but uh, what what can you tell the British public about the Twinkie? The Twinkie, the little, the pastry, the little the pastry bar makes. We just don't yeah. get them here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> what a great, what a great name for a pastry. It's yeah, pastry. <laughs> they. Um, y- 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 what's funny is like movie references to Twinkie. Like the Family Family Guy did an episode yes. on the Twinkie. <laughs> And basically, it's like this po- apocalypse, nuclear winter, and they go to a factory, and it's like the only thing living uh, that still survived that's edible is a Twinkie. So that's the joke about the Twinkie is that the, is this sugar puff thing, uh, uh, kind of bready on the outside and pumped full of I don't know uh, white liquid sugar in the middle of it. <laughs> then, yeah, uh, that will survive a nuclear holocaust and uh stay around forever and then i'm just to... trying to think what was the the uh the zombie film was it zombie land with zombie Woody land Harrison? as well yeah isn't that what he yeah. wanted as well he wanted yeah, always twink- searching for a twinkie, One of the twinkie. <laughs> twinkie. so <laughs> i i was thinking about i was thinking about that and i was thinking about so what what is our uk uk equivalent and i was thinking would it be a jaffa cake 
would it be something like that where we're not sure whether i mean is this on this debate yeah. that's gone on for years is it a cake is it a biscuit i mean i'm trying to think of something else that would be quite close but i think that's been like an, an import as well which is like we've got the yum oh. yum kind yeah. of the twisty thing which gets a little bit close but it's still not it's not quite a twinkie is it it's not yeah. a twinkie Milo cakes are good though. Like, yeah, Milo, I, I, agree. I, I think Milo. Do we know why it's called? Do we know why it's called a Twinkie? No, I I have not researched <laughs> Twinkie history. I do know. Apparently, a few years ago, they stopped making them for a little while. No, um, okay. so apparently, I think it had something to do with maybe a different company taking over Hostess right. or something like that. I don't remember the full reason why, but apparently, they stopped making them for a few for a little while, and then they started making them again. Yeah. Wow. And do you think that's the? Uh, do you think that's the the most cherished pastry in the US? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> you saying that's like me saying I hope baked beans aren't the most loved thing in the UK, yeah. and I'm like, because I don't, you know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I, they're probably one of the more well-known ones. I mean, yes. everybody knows what a Twinkie is, That's right. Yeah. but it's not too often you see people actually eating Twinkies. <laughs> it's, I, I think that's the it, thing with the Twinkies. You think it's a big, it's like a secret thing they do. Yeah. Well, cause it's, you eat them I'm and a you're secret like, Twinkie eater. it's, it's good, <laughs> but you can also feel your teeth cracking a little bit from the sugar. Right. And, yeah. Uh, so, so they're not the healthiest things. So I, yeah. I think that's why. Reckon it's like one is, is it like a desperate snack? You know, where someone's just like, oh, oh, have you never had a Twinkie, get. Kev? No, I've never. Oh, I, I think no. some of like the shops that sell certain American foods, you can find them here. I think you can find them here in certain like American American shops. I say yeah, that in quotes, in because the, like in the kind of American like, section. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And Milo, what would you say is the UK equivalent of Twinkie? I like the Jaffa cake option, like everybody yeah. knows what that is, but it's it's doesn't taste it's not the same thing no. in regards to just everybody knows it and yeah. everybody knows what it is kind of a thing, uh, is probably the closest relation. But in regards to like taste and, and consistency, they're completely different. But yeah. Yes. You don't have chocolate on your Twinkie, do you? No, I think you can. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you can like batter them and deep fry them or something like that. I don't oh, know. Wow, something that you can do, but um, like a, like a corn oh, Twinkie. I, don't know. <laughs> I, ha I haven't had a Twinkie in so long. I, I, it's been a long time, uh, since the last time I had a Twinkie. I want to, I want a deep fried Twinkie now. Yeah, I think you can get those at like fairs and stuff. So next time, I mean, next I time, always in Seattle, remember. Uh, I, I always go. Yeah, go during the summer when the Evergreen State Fair is on uh, and have your friend take you to the Evergreen State Fair, uh, which is yeah. south of Seattle. It's huge. Uh, I would imagine if you can get a fried Twinkie, you can definitely get it there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I, want I to... always, I always oh. remember in the UK when um, they started bringing out the equivalent of corn dogs in the uk which is also oh man no kid i, I miss a, i haven't had a corn dog since yeah. i moved to europe <laughs> but they, they bought them they bought them out like they marketed them in the uk a little bit just as like this really cold thing in a foil wrapper that wasn't hot they were in like the chillers in the supermarket and my impression was that a corn dog was like almost the same you go to like a hot dog stand but you get a corn dog you know wrapped in this nice corn you know a shitty sausage in a 
you know, it's just saturated goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, corn dogs are delicious. Also <laughs> available at state fairs. Uh, let's move into our next segment, which is badly drawn bamboo. So, yeah. Andy, you yes. have drawn a badly bon- drawn bamboo. Well, let's I don't see. think it, I don't think it's that badly drawn. Uh oh, I did spend. Oh, a, no. I spent at least I spent at least ten minutes on it. I I, I thought it was did okay. I thought it was okay. Would you like me to display my badly drawn bamboo? Absolutely. Show it up, display, and I'll rate it. Oh, I tell you what, bring it a touch closer so it comes into focus. That looks like a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) That's like what you would see if they were down, like putting a picture of a serial killer up on the nightly news. (laughs) Just hold it up. This is the drawing of the serial killer. So I'm going to pose as well. Uh. I, 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 think I, I right. like that. I, I, I don't know sure, what's going on sure on the other side of it. Whether you still had your mustache? Yeah, no, that's uh, it. The tash is in. I've got a bit of bit you, of extra. Yeah, you, you've got a bit of goatee beard going on. What's going on on the left hand? Well, as I look at it, on the left hand side, up into his ear. Um, oh, his right ear. Yeah, I'm not sure. Did come a bit happened? like John I Merrick? I think basically what happened was I forgot to put an ear on. <laughs> and then I quickly sketched one on. So you, I'll you tell got, you what, you've got my nose. You've got my nose spot on. Okay. Like the, the, the form of my nose, yeah. But the rest, it, the rest of it is badly done. It's got kind of like Picasso um, elements to it, you know. Oh, I'm like pleased that, Yeah. You, you things are clear- quite in the... You can clearly see I couldn't find a pencil, so I used a green pen. Oh, brilliant, though. That's, no, that's I actually, as a badly drawn bamboo, that's that's not that badly drawn. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to give it a... Oh, which way do I work this round again, Milo? If I give it a low rating, it means, meant it was good. That it was good. If I, give it, if I give it a high rating, it means it was an actual badly drawn. Yes. So... Oh. I think I'd have to give you something like a three, a three okay. out of ten, because it's okay. it's yeah, better it's as a as a normal drawing as opposed I didn't to want a bad to let, one. I didn't want to let you down, bro. I like I like, I like you, Kev Bamboo. I couldn't have drawn <laughs> I couldn't have drawn you looking like a I think a serial killer is actually quite a good description of it. Yeah, you, you tried. You tried your best. You do look you do look like something out of guess who. Yeah, <laughs> that um, that might come in handy later on. You could probably uh, sell that to the a news station at some point and be yeah. like, they might need that. I, I see yeah. this dude. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. just looks like something that appears in like you know the crime files or whatever, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know, they've been in the courtroom and there's a sketch. I think you've got a good jaw on it. Yeah, I've given you a, I've given you a solid jaw. Yeah, it's not bad. It's more solid than mine. <laughs> uh, right that's brilliant anyway so yeah three out of ten thanks, must mate. do better in the doing bad stakes thanks mate thank you <laughs> i mean a better teacher's never said that to anyone have they no yeah, I, I mean, yeah you must do better at being worse <laughs> it would be far too confusing the kids wouldn't understand me you know like, what what are you on about sir what do you, what do you mean um so yeah, we're talking to Aussie, host of the Seeking Happiness podcast, Andy Million. And so, 
obviously the title that needs no introduction, Andy. But how did the actual pod itself come about? Because we talked about finding happiness on your own personal route, but how did the actual the pod come about? And um, to anyone that hasn't listened, what are the actual aims of that pod? The what? What of the pod? What are the for anyone that hasn't listened? What are the aims of, of that the, podcast? The aims really are just to just to give people an understanding that. Um, that lots of people have problems are dealing with problems um, they don't know how to deal with them and it's to give people a set of tools really yeah you know even if it's just one tool to make a difference in their life um, to help them to listen to other people's stories about how they they changed their lives how they they made some improvements turned negative things into a positive outcome um, so, so that's the main aim, really. And it, it started again, you know, after, after my diagnosis and sitting around the house for six months, I, because I, I didn't want to interact with people. I, I struggled just to, you know, one of the clearest memories I, I have of that period was, uh, was neighbours knocking on the door, just trying to see if I was OK. Um, they probably heard you know, that, that something could happen or that I, w- I think one of the neighbours had realised that my car was never leaving the drive. Right. And, uh, and whenever he, he knocked on the door, I actually remember running into the kitchen and, uh, and hiding, sitting on the floor and just hiding in the kitchen. And just, I remember just having that moment of what, what am I doing this is just getting ridiculous. I don't, I don't want to interact with anybody at all. I was sitting in the same chair in the house every day, all day, not moving. I I couldn't interact. Um, I think the classic answer to my partner was when she said, you know, are you, are you okay? She always laughs about it. It says, she, she won't let me just say fine now because that was my standard answer. I'm fine. She won't yeah. let me say that now. Um, I've always got to elaborate. But, yeah, just trying to keep people back. I guess because I, there was there was parts of my own psyche, my own, uh, my own state of mind that I didn't want to explore myself, so I didn't want to talk about it with other people. And I think what happens is you, you just shut down, you switch off. And I... Again, the podcast was 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 really it was part of my own therapy, Kev, if that makes sense. Yeah. It was it was just to help me to to start interacting with people again, to start talking. Um my my friend Didier, the guy I was in the band with, he he's he's clearly French. I don't think anyone in the UK has a name like Didier. But but he <laughs> he um we 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 had spoken a few times. He knew about it. He was always trying to be really helpful, call me up. Again, one of the things that I didn't want to keep talking about was was MS. I didn't want to keep talking about it, but that was people's first talking point. Oh, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I've read this article, blah, blah, blah. But he yeah. he suggested to me about doing a podcast because he was having problems himself and he said, oh, this would be a good thing if we could just go on an exploration of how we can improve our, our lot in life. Um, 
so yeah, we 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 just said we're going to do it. It was very difficult to get started, uh, even just coming up with a name. It just seemed like we were doing Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. Just just going over, you oh, know, mate, just yeah. in a cyclical process about how we're going to set it up, what's it going to be, the the context of the the podcast. Um, you know, uh, so that, that went on for a while, and then eventually we got it up and running. And DDA dropped out then after about, I think we did about 15 or 16 episodes and he dropped out. So I, and I just decided to carry it on on my own. Um, he, he, you know, I think one of the problems with DDA was he was, he was still having a lot of problems at home, mental issues. He'd moved back to France about four or five years ago. He hadn't lived with his parents for 20 plus years. He'd been in England for 20 years. When he first came over here, Kev, he didn't speak any English. Uh, my French is uh, un petit peu, a little bit, uh, very, <laughs> very pigeonhole French. Uh, but we both play guitar so we could sit. Nice. And, you know, and play guitars. And that's how we communicate. Music is an international language, isn't it? You li literally could question and answer with each other, couldn't you? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. He play a little riff. I play a little riff back. But yeah, we and before you knew it, he was on the he was on the set of Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my mind too. <laughs> 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 Remember it well. Great film, Burt Reynolds. But yeah, it was um, it was really important for me to keep it going. Uh, I've got an I've got another guy now who's going to get involved. He's going to be a guest. I, well, he was a guest host, but he's going to be now a full time host with myself. Um, so we're just we're just moving into the new year now and thinking about how we can come up with a new format. But yeah, the aims have have not changed really. It's just uh, because because I don't think you know. Some people have said that, you know, you, you you cannot reach a state of, you know, permanent happiness. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a certain part of me that agrees with that. But um, but I certainly think you can change things in your life to make to make them better. Um, yeah. You know, to give yourself a better understanding of yourself. You know, you, you just got to you've got to be a bit more open. Um, with with everybody around you and and more open with yourself um so i think i think that's i think that's an important one isn't it and and, and also i think like you said already about your pod is that what's great is actually having the people on and seeing what their versions of um happiness is yeah because everybody's different yeah as we spoke about earlier everybody's different everybody's got a different a different outlook um and and it's just um, you know in terms of I interviewed my brother um, that you know his journey he should there's a couple of people that we interviewed that I think that moved to the states that we sort of put into the title the journey west and I just spoke to him about his journey and you know one of the things that um, that he spoke to me about which really touched me. Um, he was talking about why why he got into rock climbing, which I knew that he did. Clearly, I knew that he did that. But you know, he 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 honestly told me. He said, it, "I had a fear." He said, "I had a fear of heights. I had a fear of the journey." 
And I just realized that the only way of overcoming that was to face your fears. And I, and I think that's that's the reality for a lot of people in in life into reaching for any sense of happiness is is facing your facing your fears. And Middleton, the guy who does the SAS program, he he does, uh, yeah. yeah, he does a touring show now where he 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 does that. I'm sure his book has been has been called facing your fears, but I really believe in that. I think you've got to, you've got to face up to what you're scared of and realize that, that you can, you can surmount those things. You can, you can move on to a better place just by, just by standing up and saying, you know, I'm going to give this a go. <clears throat> and again, coming back to the acting thing, mate, you know, it, it's not something, if some, a bit like teaching, if somebody had told me this in my early twenties, when I, wanted to be a musician, you're going to be an English teacher, you, you're going to get into acting. I'd have laughed and said, no, it's not possible. It's it's not it's not going to happen. It's not me. Oh, I can't do that. And I think any anything that you you face up to and address, you you find things about yourself that uh that were hidden. They're always there. There were all it was always there for you, but it's just been hidden from you. And it's about exposing that that you know secretive areas of yourself that you know that can bring you to a, a new a new idea of happiness. And and honestly, doing the acting stuff and meeting yourself on several productions, you know, but working in in the you know film and TV, it's just been great, mate. It's just been one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, if if I hadn't have started to explore that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have done it. It's not something that I would have thought. Oh, yeah, I can do this. So I just, I just wouldn't have done it. So it was. I see it as a bit of good fortune. The what I said earlier about getting that call and going to it was it was called the Color Room. It was about uh, Clarice, Clarice, Cliff. Clarice Cliff. Yeah, 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 it was that. It was that one. Um, uh, it, it was just, it was just an amazing thing, man. And I think some one of the other things that came out of doing the podcast, uh, I can't remember who said it, but during one of the the interviews, someone was saying about things that happen in life, um, certain things that happen that we ignore, that happen in everyone's life. You think, oh, it's not for me. You don't look at it, or it might be an invitation somewhere. I'm not going to go there. Or I'm not going to do that. And just, you know, just start trying to have a new outlook of I'm going to just accept things or I'm, you know, accept things that I wouldn't normally have accepted, go to places that I wouldn't normally have gone to. And it just opens up so many, so many amazing things, you know, that, it, you know, it's really, it's really changed me over the last three years, I'd say. Mm. Well, speaking of going yeah. places uh, that you've never gone before, yeah. if you were on a desert island, <laughs> nice transition there. Brilliant. <laughs> if you were on a desert island, Andy, and you could take just one thing with you in this place that you've never gone before, yeah. what would that one thing be? I thought about this. I thought about this. I mean, it is, it, it's, it's a classic... Uh, it's a classic question. I think I've probably used. I think I've probably used the idea of the island in teaching lessons with with pupils about, you know, what would you bring? Maybe I've given them a choice. I think I think one of the the lessons on 
that you always do is the sinking ship. It's like a psychology thing, and there's a certain amount of possessions on the ship. What would you take from the ship to the oh. island? Um, I, I don't think I'd take anything. You know, probably people have come up with really clever answers like uh, a pen knife um, or something that's going to be able to help me uh, create water. We've, we've, we've had some interesting ones on the show, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone said they'd take a mattress with them. So they could sleep all day. Um, comfortably. And another yeah. person, crazily, I don't know if they were just trying to get brownie points, but they said they'd take the wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? What are, they, what are they playing at? I know. Um, for the company. For the ones. company, maybe. <laughs> for the company, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I thought I thought about this, and I, I was sort of stuck between two. I was stuck between a photo album which has photos of all the important people in my life, like my children, my partner, my parents, brothers and sisters, close friends. Um, so I, I thought about that, but I think, you know, as much as, as much as I, that would be great. So I think my imagination can, can still, uh, my memory would still be able to focus on that. But I think I'd bring a book. I think I'd be just, the classic English teacher, very boring, very creative. I'd, I'd just bring a book, a classic book that that gives me inspiration of some kind. Um, and I was thinking of, I was thinking of two books that I read. What the first one that I probably bring um, would be Papillon by um, Henri Carrier was the writer. Uh, I think you've probably seen the classic Steve McQueen film, and there was an updated version. Yeah, I've read the book. You've, yeah, the books, the books, fantastic, Milo. I mean, it, that that part where he's in solitary confinement, and he's he's just you know he's been there for years, and it's just about him trying to find that process of how he's going to get through it. You know, I thought that was a really good insight into into him. Um, the the other one. The other book that I'd probably think of, because I just think it's a very inspirational <clears throat> book, is uh, The Count of Monte Cristo, the Alexander Dumas uh, book, because I just think that's uh, it's a great book, you know, just about uh, about you know keeping going uh, in the light of adversity, you know, just being able to 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 dig deep and fight um, and succeed and survive. Uh, and it and it always reminds me of. Uh, do you remember Tatex Kev years ago? Oh yes, yeah. I remember it was advertised on. My brother was looking at. Uh... So, so one sec, because Milo basically, I don't know if you knew. Tatex in the UK was basically like an information service that was literally on your telly. You pressed a button, and it come up. But it was probably other places in the world have been doing something similar for ages. But when it came in the UK, it was like, it was literally revolutionary. And then they binned it just kind of on the cusp of the digital age. That's right. Um, and it was just, you know, forgotten, but it became this kind of iconic, you know, service. People would get the news headlines, little, little yeah. quizzes and stuff. So that's I teletext. Back to you, Andy. But yeah. But, but, but my brother was, he was on take, uh, Teletext looking for what was on TV for the TV lineup that evening. And he called me in and uh, the character of Monte Cristo was on. But if you remember Teletext, Kev, sometimes the uh, 
there'd, there'd be uh there'd be a lack of uh letters in it that some of the letters would be missing out and i yeah. think the, the, the letter o was missing out of the count <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he just called me in to look at it and it, it just always rem- look at this I know <laughs> we're not going to say the words but I just, it, it made me chuckle at the time and um, and and again just always rem- always makes me think of that book it, just what a great experience I think I got the book on the basis of watching the film I read the book afterwards right. and just was just so inspired by it so I, I think that would be on my list as well. Do you think those two books, obviously, because obviously the answer is you're going to take a book or books with you. So do you think those answers are there because they'd help you, you know, when you need that distraction from your mind? Correct. Like you're kind of going towards insanity on the island that you'd have some escapism. That's right, mate. I think think a bit of escapism and a bit of, you know, both of those are about, about guys that are, you know, struggling with difficult times. Uh, one, one's been sent to um, French Guiana. In, in the case of Papillon, the Count of Monte Cristo, he's obviously you know had a long, long prison spell, and you know he's 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 uh, he's trying to sort out his idea of revenge and how to to change his world. So I think that would help me. I think that would inspire me while I was on the the island just to. Just to keep going. So the only thing I'm going to ask you now, because obviously I hope that there's, you've got books, but I hope there would have been some food on that island. But I'm ripping up. This is another food-based question. Go on. We always ask people what they're... It's our ultimate question, really. And it's I'm just going to say... I'm just, you, you do realise I'm just going to say Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is a specific food. So this is... What is, what is your favourite cheese? Or cheeses? Favorite cheese? Uh, I do like. I do like a brie. I like no, a yeah. nice. I like a nice ripe brie. Yeah. On a I cracker, just, just sat outside for a salted week. a salted cracker. A nice ripe brie on a salted cracker. You look more like a baked camembert, Kev. No, I don't. I don't like gooey cheeses too much. Actually, no, I I don't mind camembert, but I don't like it when it's gone um, gooey, messy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it revolts me. No, right. Right. but I like it in its more its more solid form. Like I don't yeah. mind, like some people find that weird, but I do actually like a, a slightly firmer camembert. You like a firm uh, cheese. I do like cheese. <laughs> what's because you're a big fan of cheese as well. What was one of yours? It's hard to say because I don't really have a favorite cheese. I like different cheeses for different reasons, kind of depending on the purpose. Uh, if I'm eating it with something, is it going on crackers? Is it going with meat? Is it you know? True, yeah. yeah. So um, there, there's there's a few that I probably don't like. I'm not a huge fan of the stinky cheeses, like the. Um, but for the most part, I like, uh, yeah, I like quite a variety of cheeses. I think it's just, it's a good accompaniment, accompaniment isn't it? That, yeah. Uh, you can uh, although, it uh, after living here in Ireland for so long, I'm kind of sick of cheddar. If I oh, go yeah. the rest oh, of my yeah. life without ever touching cheddar cheese, I'll be perfectly fine with that. Oh, you can't beat a good bit of cheddar, though, Milo. Oh, yeah, yeah, here. <laughs> you can get your red cheddar, 
your white cheddar, your red Asian cheddar. I remember Actually, being. I remember being about, amazed. Talking of accents, because we. I, I remember doing an episode oh, several months back, and we did some accents at one point. Now, Andy, obviously, you're from Birmingham, from the West Midlands, and I, I said to Milo at one point, a Birmingham accent would be a good one to um, to have a go at because it's a very distinct one in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna. This is gonna add this one in here. I'm gonna, Andy. You say something stereotypically kind of West Midlands or even Black Country or whatever, if you want. Yeah. And then I want to see if Milo could give it back. <laughs> okay. Or have a bash. Yeah. All right. All right, Bab. I went to the local shop and I bought myself a cheese and it was right proper busting. All right, Bob. I went to the local shop and bought myself a cheese and it was right busky. <laughs> mm? Spot on, if I do say so it, myself. Was, you know, it, it, it still had an Irish lilt to it. The, uh, it the definitely last, had an Irish lilt. Yeah, the last yeah. word was busting, um, not busky, busting. Busting. Some, some, um, yeah, something's really good. It's busting. 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 Young. Yeah, I was. I noticed that as I was saying, I'm like, this is this is getting a bit of an Irish. <laughs> this, is going, Irish this is going to bad. This is like, <laughs> but, but you've got to, you know, the show must go on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, the show must no, not go on because uh, we all have lives outside yes. of the show. <laughs> yes. So we do. So I've got, I've got more cheese to eat, <laughs> and I'm going go. for a Twinkie. Yeah, Excellent. we're going to take some cheese and uh, wrap it around a Twinkie. So uh, cheese, <laughs> cheese wraps Twinkies. That's good. Listen, dude, you could sell that. That's going to sell. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's tried it. <laughs> um, but uh, Andy, before we go, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Yes. Uh, can you let people know where can they discover your podcast, um, any projects you're working on yes. or uh, things upcoming that you want to share? Of course, yeah. I mean, if you uh, if you go onto any any uh, search platform, put in um, the Seeking Happiness podcast, or you have an Alexa, just ask Alexa, Alexa, the Seeking Happiness podcast, and you'll you'll find it, and then you'll be able to. I think there's about 25, 26 episodes now, so you'll find something of interest to you, something that helps you out. Um, in terms of myself, I'm just classically on on uh, spotlights for my acting or IMDB. You can catch me on there. Or if anybody wants to get hold of me, you can get me on Instagram on Andy Milligan 77. Excellent. That's brilliant. All right. Nice, nice one, Andy. Yeah, thanks for an insight. Thanks, boys. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, thanks for insight into your career, mate. Obviously, talking about things to do with addiction, the uh, multiple sclerosis as well. Yeah. And then your own route to seeking happiness. So we're going to make listen. it, Kev. Me, you, and Milo, we're going to make it. I can, we're, I can, we're, all, we're all definitely One of these days. One of these days. <laughs> <laughs> that role's going to land on a desk, and yeah. I'm having it. No. <laughs> As always, that was a fantastic show. Uh, but what have we got coming up next in the Rip It Up universe, Kev? 
Yeah, Milo, basically coming up on Rip It Up, we've got a film review of The Weirdo over on Rip It Up Reviews. Andy Milligan. Yeah, Andy <laughs> Milligan. So, but not that Andy Milligan. Um, and then we've got an aspiring stand-up comic with a foodie-based background called Emily Brighty. That's fantastic. We've got Andy Milligan film, we've got food, and uh, we've got comedy. All sounds wonderful. Brilliant stuff. Catch you next time. Next time. Why can't people be nice to one another?